welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shosha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 13 of the Adventure Games Podcast. And today we have not one, but two interviews with two different adventure game developers who have just had games released very recently. And before we get to the interviews, I just, as always, wanted to go through some news and some latest game and demo releases and game announcements. So first we start off with Killmonday Games. The developers of Fran Bow, one of the most highly rated adventure games of the past few years or past decade, they have released a demo for their new game, Little Misfortune. Now, they're hoping to release the full game later in the year, 2019, but they have released a short demo of their game, which they say is about 15 minutes long, gives you an idea of what to expect from the game. So the story is that if you play as an imaginative eight-year-old called Misfortune Ramirez Hernandez, you seek the prize of eternal happiness as a gift as a gift to your mummy. Led by your new friend Mr. Voice, they venture into the woods where mysteries are unraveled and a little bit of bad luck unfolds. So the graphics again look really nice. They look like a high-quality cartoon, similar to Fran Bob, but that can be deceiving because they're promising that this game will be sweet and dark, so you have to make choices. It's an interactive story, and your choices will have consequences. So I'm looking forward to that. And another demo that's released today is called Backbone Prologue. Now, I've spoken about this game before. This game, of course, is an upcoming noir-inspired detective adventure. You play as a raccoon private eye in a dystopian Vancouver, BC. So, the full game, their developers are hoping it will be released in 2020, but they will, they have released their game on Wednesday, of this week so the game is out now so you can play the prologue and again see what to expect from the game it looks amazing and it's one of the games i'm most looking forward to playing so uh, i will give my thoughts on the demo in a future episode and people can download it from steam and another game now called the little acre which is developed by Pooter Game Studios, an Irish company, and of course Charles Cecil worked as a producer on the game. They have released this game on Android. So in this game, it follows the story of Aidan and his daughter Lily set in 1950s Ireland after discovering clues as to the whereabouts of his missing father. Aiden begins investigating until he inadvertently finds himself transported to a strange new world. Ever the hero, Lily sets off after him, encountering her own perils along the way. Now this features full voice acting and hand-drawn animation. The Little Acre is a memorable, lovingly crafted adventure game. Now I recently played this game, and I hope to review it in a future episode, but I really, really liked it. The animations are absolutely fantastic in particular. 
So I would recommend that people get it either for PC or now for iDroid. Next, Lord Winklebottom Investigates. I have already spoken about this game, but I'm very, very happy to say that at time recording, it has been successfully funded on Kickstarter in just six days. Now, there are still about 20 days left, so you can still back it, and there are still some stretch goals which you can find on the Kickstarter page. So, uh, so some of the stretch goals include uh, Spanish translation, extra areas to explore, and the like. It looks, again, really interesting. And which other game can you play as a giraffe? So if you want to play as a giraffe, then this is the game for you, the full game. The developers are hoping to release by 2020. Uh, so we hear more about that. And finally, for something a little bit different, for all you puzzle fans out there, Maya Return to the Lost Island has just been released. So this is a first-person adventure game, which is similar to Myst. It's part of a sci-fi series named The Black Cube, or ASA, A Space Adventure. So you need to visit Maya, a moon in a faraway solar system, and try to understand why you were teleported there. So the developers have said you need to cooperate between two characters, and it is a completely revamped remake of a free original 2D game, but they've included new puzzles and improved island, increased gameplay, an updated story, and more. And with many challenging puzzles, similar to what you'd expect in Myst, and 10 plus hours of gameplay with English and French voice acting. So that game again is Maya Return to Lost Island. So if you are a fan of Myst, Myst-like games, then this seems like to be the game for you. Okay, so now the first of my interviews was with James Lightfoot, who is a developer of The Mystery of Woolly Mountain. Now, this game was released in April 10th, so I had a chance to speak to the developer, where we go behind the scenes on the game for inspirations to the characters, to how to decisions he made during the development of the game and his future plans for the game and for himself. So, please enjoy. When a wicked witch kidnaps the children of Woolly Mountain, only a brave, strong and cunning hero can save the day. That's my Monday, Wednesday, Friday hat. Today is Thursday. At weekends, I only wear my birthday suit. But, uh, uh, I guess you'll have to do. An otherworldly comedy adventure game. We have you now. I am Winslord. You are? Where am I? What's going on? Filled with perplexing puzzles. And a cast of peculiar characters. Dead humans. I am Julio. Hey, shut it, will you? Make it quick, dear boy. Hi, hi. How you doing, little dude? Who are those bugs? Can you save the children? <laughs> the Mystery of Woolly Mountain, Spring 2019. Thank you very much for joining me today. I am with James Lightfoot, the developer of The Mystery of Woolly Mountain. Hello, James. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. 
thank you very much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to this interview. And I believe you you released the game on April 10th. So it's been a busy few weeks, I imagine. <laughs> it has indeed. Um, obviously, getting it ready for launch takes a lot of work. And then, it, you know, it isn't just a, a world where you can then sit back and pop the champagne open. There are many other things to catch and that you find that you've missed and little patch updates. And it's, it's kind of a constant, almost forever uh, endeavor, it seems. Right, yes. When you release it, it's not just not just the end. You can't just go to on the holiday then. You need to constantly work on the game then, yeah, right? It is. And, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a passion project. You become obsessed with it, it, it really. You know, it's, it, it's like your child. So, you know, to find bugs or for people to find bugs, although, you know, it's, you wish there were no bugs, but that's almost an impossibility. At least in this day and age, you can, you know, patch and eradicate, which is great. Right, yeah, so it's not just released and then it's forever the same version or it's a huge job to then do a re-release or anything. So <laughs> I'm not sure it's exactly. a big job by itself, but... Yeah, I mean, if you if, if you think back to the 80s or, you know, even early 90s, when games were released, that was it. And um, you'd fall, you know, live and die by your sword. I think, uh, you know, some games back in the 80s on the Spectrum, for example... Um, like Squidge, which is famous for being, you know, you can't even get out the second screen because of a bug, you know, um, that was, and that's the end of that, you know, because there were no patch updates then. Wow, no, that, that does sound bad, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you should look it up. S-Q-I-J is the oh, game. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah. sure to. <laughs> so you have the updated it since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, so it's really good um, to be able to just tweak certain bits and pieces. Um, of course, on Steam, it's very easy because you can just upload whenever you, you like. On Nintendo Switch, they have a sp- specific amount of time that it takes to upload and review your patch. So you have to be a little more patient and try and capture as much as you can. Right, yeah, now that's another thing that we can talk about because your game is available as well as on Steam. It's available on Nintendo Switch, which I know a lot of uh, people who play adventure games have a Switch, so that's that's always really good. I know I read online a lot of people are asking people, oh, is your game coming on Switch? So thankfully in this case, the answer is yes. But before we get into the game, I just wanted you to, to introduce yourself very briefly to people who might not uh, know you or... And mm-hmm. say what what your favorite adventure games are. Right, yeah, sure. So my favorite adventure games would it would have to be Monkey Island Two. That is my complete favorite. Um, I also obviously love Monkey Island One. I love uh, the Broken Sword series. Um, more contemporary, I love Dark Side Detective. Um, Bertram Fiddle was fun of late, but you know Ron Gilbert um, and his output. Um, in the 90s was my favorite and Tim Schafer stuff so all those games back then really um, I loved what uh, Telltale did for a little while with, mm-hmm. with Monkey Island I enjoyed that and the Sam and Max series uh, when they brought those back so they're the kind of you know things that really stick out I'd say Silent Age as well I don't know if you've played that that was I really enjoyed the you know the vibe of that game too 
Sure, yeah, no, there. Uh, I, I love all of those games as well. I've heard of Silent Age. I haven't got a chance to play it, but you, yeah. see, you seem to. So with your games um, that you enjoy, you seem to enjoy a lot of comedy games. Would you say that's correct? That they're the games that you really yeah, enjoy? Like contemporary games like Dark Side Detective, which was also really good, really funny. Yes. I think, you know, again, looking at Monkey Island 2, Monkey Island, you know, they had a humor that just stuck with me. I think, you know, things that don't take themselves too seriously are always light relief. It, is a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I do like my more serious um, games. You know, as I said, Silent Age is a bit more serious in that in that respect. But even you know, Broken Sword was funny. Had its humour in there. Light-hearted kind of light-hearted action movie. You know, like like a Spielberg, Indiana Jones um, vibe where there's action and humour. Um, you know, that resounds in the Monkey Island series. That resounds in. Um, you know, Dark Side Detective and so on. I, that's my kind of, that's my um, sweet spot. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I loved that as well as, uh, you know, in, in Broken Sword, which was really, really funny. And even uh, the games, uh, the Gabriel Knight games had their, had humor as well. Now, they're, they're serious story, stories, but with the main character, G- Gabriel, and with the comments as well from... I think with his interaction, especially with Grace and with Detective Mosley, they were they were funny. So it wasn't yeah. always serious. And when I spoke with uh, the Coles a few well weeks ago now, and they said as well that they prefer things as well, even if they have serious storylines, they prefer to have some humor because they think they said you can't really have all serious. Uh, you need some light comedy relief. So, um, so, so yeah, so. When did you start working on your game then? Well, I started working on this three and a half years ago. Um, I I decided that I wanted to make a game. I wanted to see what would happen if I was able to call myself a game dev. So, you know, I went on holiday and uh, started writing in a little notepad, started drawing little scenes out, and uh, it began from there basically. And then six months later, I, I thought, you know what, this is actually coming together a little bit. And I'd never made a game before. So I taught myself Unity and started to, you know, piece things together and then uh, did a Kickstarter to see if anyone cared <laughs> and you know, managed to raise like, you know, £9,000 um, and realized, wow, OK, you know, people want this. Um you know, but being a solo dev with, um, you know, a job, a life, it it's taken a bit of time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you you work you worked on this game in your spare time, I assume, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's down as Lightfoot Brothers. So my brother wrote the story originally, um, and uh, you know has done all the music sound effects and recorded all the dialogue and also you know um voices a lot of the characters but it's quite funny where this game came from because you know the scientists that you play are called the helmholtz resonators and um they're all from from um a band we used to be in called the helmholtz resonators where we all played a different character 
Uh, we all dressed up in top hats and you know shirts and put on fake moustaches and um, shirts and trousers, and we would all swap instruments. And we decided to, you know, each have a different name: Garland, Manrose, uh, Frithel, as the characters are in the game, because we thought we could be, you know, not just ourselves when we got on the stage. We could play these characters, and we came up with these stories that we were audio time traveling scientists. Released a couple of albums. The first album was called The Crystal Submarine. Um, you know, we got played on the radio a lot. We did festivals. We were, we were successful. And, um, you know, a, a bit later on, we decided to make this album called The Mystery of Woolly Mountain and write a story that went with it. So I then thought what a great idea it would be to bring these characters even more into their own world, extend, the, you know, this world. And um, lo and behold, that story is now a point and click adventure. Wow, no, that's that's a great story. That's you've used you know real life inspirations for for the game yeah. then. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. Great. Yeah, and you know there's three um, vinyl records that you can pick up and in the game and go and play them on the record player in the uh, playroom in the sub in the Crystal Submarine, and they are the actual songs from the band, um, which you can get on iTunes and Spotify and all that. So there is a history to it that extends outside of the game. And on the merch store on the website, you can actually buy the vinyl that's in the game. So it's I like the way, you know, it almost uh, it's a point and click adventure computer game, but it actually extends into the real world. Yeah, no, no, no I love that. How as mentioned, it extends into the real world and how you use real world inspirations for the game, because it shows that you're putting kind of yourself kind of or your experiences into the game which, you know, personalizes it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, being an avid fan of, of games and, and music, I love buying stuff to do with the game. So, you know, if you come to my house, you'll find the box set of Thimbleweed Park. You'll find a poster of it on the wall, you know, because you can buy the actual you know, Thimbleweed Park um, town sign, you know, and things like that. So I love all those bits and pieces that you can extend the universe of games you love and more and more websites are doing that now you know like where you can buy toys and and badges and physical copies of games that weren't um you know there were were digital downloads so i've enjoyed the fact that you can extend the world and it goes even further whereby you can buy the game cars so let me explain that a little further in the game at one point there, with you know, no spoilers, but there is a, a game called Cars the Remix that you can find and you have to you know use it, and it's a Spectrum game. Um, and you can play this Spectrum game if you like, and you'll find that it's a really, really rubbish game. Really rubbish. And that's because it is a rubbish game that I made when I was 10 years old on the Spectrum. And I decided, you know, I found the, uh, the cassette that I made of it, you know, like I drew the cover and all that, many many years ago and i thought it would be quite funny to remake it pixel for pixel in the mystery of woolly mountain my first proper game so you can play that and it's terrible um it's barely even a game but i've actually you know got in touch with george at bum fun games who you know release new spectrum games and he thought it would be hilarious too if they actually you know released a physical copy so you can buy the Spectrum tape cassette version of Cars the Remix 
you know, load it onto your Spectrum and actually play the original, original version of Cars the Remix that you can also play in The Mystery of Woolly Mountain. Well, that's great. That's kind of, I mean, it kind of reminds me a bit of Day of the Tentacle where you could play Maniac Mansion in Day of the Tentacle. Exactly. All these things inspired me because, again, that, you know, I missed that from the beginning. That's one of my favorites, the comedy and the time travel and everything in that. But all those little things remind me of, um, you know, have influenced me to try and instill a little bit of that in the game. And it is a, you know, a plot movement. It isn't just for the sake of it. You play the arcade machine called Shake the Vessel and it's in the sub on the, in the control room. And, you know, there's a spectrum in the playroom, as I said, you can play and you can play the spectrum coin-op conversion of the arcade game Shake the Vessel because back in my youth, Obviously, I loved my Spectrum and I loved playing coin-up conversions, you know, Chase HQ or NARC or most of the Ocean software uh, coin-up conversions. So, again, this was a little nod to, you know, remembering how very much different and far worse um, they were compared to the original coin-up. But because it was a little old Spectrum, you were still over the moon that someone had at least tried to do a coin-up conversion. <laughs> so all these little things I've added in the game, little Easter eggs and little just touches to just really extend that universe. Yeah, no, when uh, when I played the, the demo and I saw that you could play uh, a game, as you mentioned, on different computer systems, uh, it, it really does help to make the game. You know, these little personal touches that you add, it shows the level of detail that's in the game and how much, you know, put into the game. So that is really appreciated. Um, and, you know, I'm sure... What, was it a lot of work to put all of these extra Easter eggs into the game? So, I mean, it was. I've learned so much in the creation of this game that I, I now know I probably didn't follow the best, um, almost time-efficient way of making the game. So, for example, my background is an artist and a, a designer. So, you know, rather than storyboard out the entire game, um, wireframe the entire game, make sure it all works, and then do the graphics and populate everything, my my impatience as being a designer meant that I, I couldn't help but kind of colour it in as I went along, which also meant I would get obsessed with kind of the detail of living in the world that I was creating as it was becoming a world. So I couldn't help but almost take a left turn and just, you know, make the coin up, you know, the arcade game. And then I'd carry on for a bit and then I'd have a great idea. Oh, wouldn't it be good if there was a Spectrum version? And then I'd take a right turn and go off and, you know, make that. And I'd, I'd keep doing this. Um, which, you know, was time poor in terms of making, you know, getting a game done. But it, I, I love the journey of making it. Of course, you know, when I make my next game, which I'm already plotting, um, I, I will do it the correct way. <laughs> I will wireframe every, I will finish the story, wireframe it, um, and uh, then do all, all the art. But, uh, you know, that's another story, as I will be working with an artist for my next game. Anyway, so... Okay, no, because no, when I've spoken to other developers, they all have similar stories. I've spoken to some first-time developers, and it's funny how everyone has kind of a, a different way 
of making a game that they say, you know, we're we've never made a game before, so we just do what's right, and then afterwards they realize, oh, I could have saved a lot of time by doing it this way. But oh yeah, I mean, it, it's incredible, really. And again, what's hilarious is, um, you know, bug testing. Obviously, part one, there was a load of bugs. Part two, less so. And you know, part three, hardly any. Which even more, you know, shows how much I was growing and learning and understanding to make things more streamlined because you know, there were far less bugs uh, in the ending stages of the game. So in some ways, I can't wait to start my next one because I know it will take, you know, it'll be so much quicker to, to do and it'll be so much more streamlined and all sorts. It, it, even down to certain things like I just didn't know that um, and I'm gonna get a little technical now, but you know, to do all your art to the power of two, whereby um, if you do it to the power of two, uh, you know, in other words, square, and to the power of two, you can easily compress it um, and therefore save memory. So when I found that out two thirds into making my game, I had to then take a massive left turn and you know take a bit of time out to make all my images to the power of two which you know was a bit of a sweaty um moment right but then again as uh you you're saying that you you kind of learn on the job then you say oh this this yeah. works as you mentioned with the art and then say oh no this this works um i'll do it this way you know for, from beginning the, in the next game so but but yeah as i spoke with uh georg hubmeyer a few months ago now and he said the main thing with the first game is just to get it out there and then learn from that and to improve and build on it from uh, for the next game. So, yeah. but um, but okay. So we've we've spoken a little bit about the development and about some of the or the inspirations for the characters. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the setup of the game of the story. So mm. what what's happening in in the game for people who haven't who don't know about it yet. Yeah, so um, the Wicked Witch of Woolly Mountain has kidnapped all the children um, in the surrounding area, of which Van Damme, one of our intrepid heroes, receives a letter informing him of this evil um, event, and so sets off on his own to stop the witch and rescue the children. However, he gets kidnapped in the opening of the game. That's no spoiler there. That was the kind of you know, the demo. We then cut back to our main hero garland who finds this letter um and realizes that you know van damme has gone off on his own to stop the witch and save the children realizes that he needs far more help than him you know going alone and needs to get the crew together to set sail and save him um and stop the witch which therefore is the kind of main start of the game where you need to find all your crew and of course this being a you know, otherworldly comedy point and click adventure. All of your crew are in different areas and are up to their own tricks and, you know, their own adventures. Um, so you need to work out a way of uh, convincing them to come and help you stop what they're doing um, and set sail. Um, and then obviously once you have set sailed, you go deeper into the, into the adventure, into the game, visit, you know, different islands until you eventually get to Woolly Mountain, where you need to um, stop the witch. 
and rescue the children. I remember when I was playing the demo, as you mentioned, that you get the letter and then you have to try and convince the other character to go with you. But this being an adventure game, it's not as easy as that. (laughs) And um, do you play as the other characters in in the game or do you just play as Garland? No, you do. You so you start off playing Van Damme. Um, you then switch to Garland, and you do play Van Damme a couple more times. You also play a fisherman in the game. Um, so yeah, you know there are moments where you do swap characters. You also, you know, there's different outfits and uniforms that you find. You can go swimming. Um, so you obviously need a, you know, you'll be in a wetsuit for that. Um, yeah. So you know, there's. It's always fun to play different characters, I think, and it's always enjoyable. You know, it's it's plot driven rather than just for the sake of it, if you know what I mean. So right, yes. It cuts back and forth to you know Van Damme's journey of being kidnapped, and then back to you at different points. Right, yeah, and so can you can you choose which character to play, or is that determined by the story? No, so I pondered that in early kind of concepts, but it's better, I think, you know, for this game that it's determined by the story. So, you know, it's it, it's very much like a movie. There are cutscenes, not long, painful cutscenes, but cutscenes where you actually um, almost dictate the cutscene. So it'll be a little cutscene that you play. So later in the game... You know, Van Damme obviously gets kidnapped, so we cut to Van Damme in a prison, uh, you know, locked up. And then, obviously, you need to get out or do what you ever need to do in that scene before it cuts back to, you know, the crew docking at the next island. So it's it's determined by the story, which I think is, um, for this game, perfect. Are there any differences playing any of the characters? You mentioned you go swimming, I believe, with one of the characters. Are there any particular differences playing any of the characters? Um, well, they all have their personalities and their... Sure, um, yeah. I, I remember that from the demo. <laughs> yeah. And their different voices and whatnot. And I think, you know, um, that's mainly the, the reasons and, and the benefits for the characters that you play. But as I say, when you play the game, you'll see that it's it's not just a lot of fun when you play the different characters, but, you know, you might go back to a, a scene played earlier in the day and, and it might be much later on. But you cut back and you and and the player will be thinking, "Wow, I'm back here. You know what's what's happening now, uh, and I'm a different character." Um, but it all follows a plot of which I think is a lot of fun. Right? Yeah. Not. It. It sounds a little bit like. I mean, it, so, uh, some of the elements seem to be similar to Day of the Tentacle. Would that be fair? At least with the yeah, yeah. The no, I, <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, it's uh, it's. Again, inspiration comes from that. I think, uh, you know, Day of the Tentacle, the three main characters are in different places and time. In my game, it's kind of, it is a little more uh, as the story progresses. But at the same time, my game is is not linear in terms of the puzzles. Um, There are, you know, many different puzzles happening at the same time. So it isn't just like... I need to get out of the room. Okay, great. You know, now I need to do that so I can do that. It's more, you know, there are four things you kind of need to do at the same time and they all are intertwined puzzle-wise, which I think is more fun because you really have to start thinking 
outside the box. So puzzle-wise, you know, similar to Day of the Tentacle, um, you know, Monkey Island. Um, but yeah, you know, the story is more uh, follows the Monkey Island 2 kind of cutscenes and different islands and such. Right. Well, certainly great games to take inspiration from. So <laughs> Yeah. And now you met, you mentioned a little bit about uh, the puzzles. So uh, what what type of puzzle? Now you mentioned as well you need to think a little bit outside the book uh, the box. So what what type of puzzles more or less can we expect in yeah. the game? Obviously without spoiling anything, you know, yeah. without giving oh. away the, so the last puzzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when I say outside the box, I certainly don't mean um, you know puzzles that are just don't make sense. I really thought long and hard about getting the um, you know, the difficulty level right to ensure that you're not just totally stuck by um, something that when you do work it out, you go, I would never have thought of that. I don't, you know, like, I don't want people to just have to click everywhere and try everything with everything just because the puzzle is too obtuse. And I think, personally, I think all the puzzles are logical and there are enough clues um, through looking at items that you in your inventory or clues given to you where, you know, if you just listen, um, you do or read things around you, um, it, it will become clear. Um, some of the reviews, you know, that I've seen totally get that. And some reviews, you know... I guess there's always a point where someone says, you know, oh, there's a puzzle that I, I would never have got that puzzle. But personally, it's almost a, an impossible um, feat to achieve for every puzzle to be not obvious, but make sense to everyone. Because I just think everyone's a bit different. A everyone will attempt, everyone will find a, a different puzzle a bit more challenging than a different one because we're all different people. It's like when someone says, how long will it take to complete your game? And I'm like, well, I guess that depends on your intelligence. <laughs> or, or, you know, it, it, it depends on your patience. It depends on how many point-and-click games have you ever played. It, it depends on your character. Like, I mean, your personal style. So I've not seen a massive amount of people so far, you know, say this one puzzle is stupid. Of which I think if you look at Broken Age, there was that kind of mini game puzzle in act two that everyone was like ah and i remember being infuriated by that and i think some people mentioned the monkey wrench in monkey island um, i was about to say that <laughs> yeah you know but personally you know i i remember all those and, and why they were really difficult um but, but as i say i've ensured that there are, are clues for everything in my game yeah, as as you mentioned, it's impossible to please everybody because with the puzzles, you know, some people might say, oh, the puzzles are too difficult, but if you make them a little bit easier, then people might say, oh, they're too easy, yeah. <laughs> and I want more of a challenge. So, you know, it's exactly. exactly. And, you know, I mean, I know that some games have a, a difficulty um, choice, you know, easy or hard, I just didn't have really the time being a solo dev on this one. I just want, to, and quite frankly, I want people to just play the game as it is. Yeah, I think, I think it's challenging, but logical. 
that actually is a it's a good point because I actually discussed that with with Thomas in the review episode in the last one about the difficult or different difficulty settings. So, but I suppose as he mentioned, depends on time and funding and yeah, uh, that you know, do you have do you have enough money to do it this way? Because and then just follow your own instincts. I I imagine. Yeah, exactly. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing what I really liked about the game is when I played a demo is when you control the main character, he walks very fast. Uh, oh, yeah. Because because one of my personal bugbears with adventure games, even with games that I really love, uh, that it can take a really long time for the character to go from one end of the screen to the other. Yeah. Um, but not so in this game. <laughs> I remember the characters going very fast, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, it's one of those things as well. We live in, you know, the year that we live in, and uh, I want this to appeal to all, all sorts of people. So I don't, I wasn't going for the purist in this, which is why there's no right click. You know, I wanted it to be instantly. You know, if you played it on Switch touchscreen or on a mobile phone, you just tap and it will, you know, you, you'll pick it up or you'll use it or, or you'll look at it rather than having to kind of double tap to open up, um, you, you know, use, look, pick up, whatever, and then click on that. You know, I wanted it to be a lot more instantly pick up and instantly play and, you know, a bit speedy in that in that sense. In fact, when I first... Um, halfway through production, you could look at everything. Every single object, I'd recorded dialogue for looking at it. So it, it was like, you know, left click was action. You know, either either it was use, either it was pick up. Um, and right click was look. And I just thought, you know, I don't even know if if everyone even has right click anymore. You know, do the gener- the next generation of kids have right click? You know, I, I just didn't know, you know, Max these days, there's just one big button, right click is there, but it's no, it's not obvious anymore, I didn't think. So I made a, a conscious decision to just have the one action. In other words, if you can pick it up and you click on it, then you'll pick it up. If you can't pick up or use something, then you can just look at it. So I, I cut all that dialogue out, even though it was recorded and written, I was like, get rid of all that. And... Uh, you know, you can look at your items in your inventory for those extra kind of clues. Um, but And that's something else that I considered as well as making him, you know, move quickly. Um, and also, you know, you can toggle the speed of the cursor because I know, you know, maybe today's kids are a bit more impatient <laughs> due to the technology we have. Right, yeah, or maybe even adults you know, might be impatient. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, having a phone and touch screen and scroll and just this constant information that we um, can access has made us all impatient. We just scroll through, you know, we don't give a video more than three seconds. We don't like it. Next kind of thing. So I wanted to, you know, cut away the, you know, too much detail in, in, in telling a story or kind of expedition and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted you to pick up and get on with it and enjoy it that way right yeah and was it mentioned in any of the reviews that you read with the left click right click did did anybody say anything about it that you know no no okay so nobody noticed no no, <laughs> well, no, no that's, that's, that's probably might be a good thing probably 
Well, I think again, if again, if you look like if you look at Dark Side Detective, if you look at you know Bertram Fiddle, you know a lot more games, Broken Age, for example, are more that way. I just think you know if you want to go totally purist, you know you've got your kind of Thimbleweed Park retro style, and then meeting in the middle is kind of yes, pull up the whole menu of things, and that encourages you to you know be a hotspot hunter. I wanted, you know, to be less hotspot hunter and more just enjoy your surroundings. Right. Yeah, because when I play games, I don't want to fight with the controls or the interface. So it, I really appreciate it when developers like yourself make things kind of easier that way and you can focus on the game itself. Yeah. You mentioned, as we mentioned, it was released on Switch. Was it designed for Switch from the beginning or did you intend to release it on Switch when you start, first started making the game? Um, I intended, I mean, I thought about mobiles, you know, phones and stuff, really. I thought, I thought, um, you know, Steam, obviously Mac and PC, but I thought, I don't want to have to redo the interface for the most popular medium of information, iPad, iPhone, Android, you know, because when I started it, the Switch was, you know, didn't exist. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> for a start. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, I don't want to have to make two versions. I wanted one version, and then that made me think. Well, if it's on mobile, how do you get up the men? You know, your kind of menu choices to pick up. Is it double tap? Is it like swish two fingers? And I thought, you know, forget all that. Actually, I, I just want one click action. And you know, then you know the switch came out, and that meant that meant it was perfect for my game. And the games, you know, like again, like Dark Side Detective came out where it is just that, you know, one click. So the two versions are, you know, to play the same then on the PC and a Switch then practically. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 exactly the same. Were there any challenges in maybe converting it for the Switch or making it for the Switch, or was it was it the same as we mentioned? It's the same as the PC, so I don't know if there were, you know it it was the same. So was that something that you considered? Um, well, yeah, so I hired Huey Games. I worked with, you know, Huey Games who ported it to Switch for me. Um, and they were fantastic. And, you know, I mean, the only things you just have to consider is obviously the size of your hotspots. Because you're playing with a mouse on a nice big monitor, then, of course, you know, you can have tiny hotspots because, you know, relatively they're not tiny. But then if you're playing right. on a, if you're playing on your handheld switch or mobile your giant finger might not um you know kind of fight ever find that hotspot because there's no hover obviously um it's just click wherever and hope for the best what i did obviously introduce therefore was a hotspot flash button so that you can in you know again which is more popular these days because of uh touchscreen you know delivery is um a button so when you're in a scene you can flash and see all the hotspots make them all flash so that was only the real challenge and then you know just the challenge of um you know making sure that you understand nintendo's system is, is it available or do you intend to make it available on any mobile devices or uh, tablet devices in the future um i would like to i think it's one of those things where you know, need to see how successful it is because every port costs money and you know to port and then you know, with no kind of 
guarantee that there's an audience on another audience, it would just be a loss of finance. So, you know, it's kind of the same situation as translating for different languages. Each one costs money to translate. And, you know, there's over 5,000 lines of dialogue in the game. So, you know, like about 15,000 individual words. And that costs, you know, a few grand each time. So you have to kind of say, well, let's see, first of all, if there's a market for the game. Um, and then if it, you know, if successful, translate. Again, if you look at something like Dark Side Detective, they made a call looking at research just to put it out in English. But their game is you know, coming out as a physical release soon. And they're now, because it's been a big success, they're going to put all the languages in. So we're talking like two and a half years later, mm. they're putting the languages in. So that's the kind of way you got to look at it, really. So hopefully, I mean, I'd love to, it to be on mobile. I think it'd be perfect because I think it's best played on your on your handheld switch, personally. Right. So it's already designed for, for a handheld device. So um... yeah. I mean, it's it, it's ready to be ported. So you know, if there's anyone listening who wants to, a, a, any publishers who want to front the money and port it, you know, and they get their cut, then get in touch. Otherwise, I do hope to. Ideally, I'd like it out on, you know, phones in October, really. Okay, well, hopefully, I mean, because so far from what I've read, the game has got really good reviews. So that's that that must be re- really nice, you know, when you release the game. And then you read that the reviews are good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's quite nerve-wracking, and you know, you can understand. <laughs> you can understand people who don't read their reviews, or you know, you can understand. Um, but you know, you understand it's one person's opinion. You know, and like you said, you know, there's been great reviews, and <clears throat> you know, some of the reviews have been great, and they've, they may have pointed out they found some bugs, which, you know. Um, made them give it a particular score. So I just get in touch and comment on there and say, well, you know, I fixed them now. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Hooray. Thank you for pointing them out. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. No, so would you mind reviewing it again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. No, because I know Adventure Gamer is what they do is when they review games and then if the game is updated, so if the bugs are fixed, they usually then put uh, in a line at the top saying this uh, review was of a previous version and yeah. the bugs mentioned in the game have now been fixed. So I don't wow. know if it affects the rating, but at least the people who read it, you know, we're yeah. let know. Now, in terms of graphics then, because on your, uh, you mentioned you used Steam and on the Steam page, oh no, you mentioned it's Unity, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. So, and it's 2D and you mentioned that it's Adventure Time meets The Simpsons. Is, would that be fair to? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean, how, how would you describe it? The graphics and to people who haven't seen screenshots. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's 2D, as you said, and um, it's it's cartoon based. You know, it's if you look at Adventure Time and uh, um, The Simpsons. That style of line art, um, where you know there's shading, but it's not kind of airbrushed. It's almost like solid color with different bits of color. But you know, 
in a 50s kind of um, cartoon in a way as well. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's just a style that I really liked. And like with anything, it has its fans and it has its haters. But, you know, what doesn't? Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's really, it's a really clean, clear cartoon um, line art style that, you know, I really enjoy. So, there yeah, it is. If you like if you like Adventure Time, then, you know, you like how this looks. Yeah, personally, I love the graphics. They're very clear and all of the, the scenes kind of look lived in, if you know what I mean. That they look kind of like it's a li- living world as well. And yeah. Um, and yeah, now also before we we finish, because I know that time is coming up now, you did mention as well that a certain Ron Gilbert backed the game on Kickstarter. Have you been in contact at all with him? Do you know if he's played the game or? <laughs> you know what? It's on my list. Basically, I'll never forget the moment that um, the pledge came in from him. <laughs> it was quite a moment. Right? I, you know, I actually felt like, well, I'm done now. I don't need to choose anything else in my life. This is like, you know, the best moment. And, you know, I, I, I got in touch with him a few times and he, he responded about the game. Um, almost got him to, you know, voice a, you know, like very minor character. But time didn't allow it, unfortunately. But oh, uh, um, it, it is a shame, yeah. But, you know, he's a great guy and he's uh, chat with me a lot um, throughout the progress of the game. So, um, yeah, I need to get in touch and, and see how he's doing. Um, you know, see if he's uh, managed to play it yet. In fact, as soon as I get off this call, I will message him. <laughs> Great. And maybe you can get a comment from him if he can say something like, oh, it reminds me of uh, my Monkey Island games. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be really nice. Well, maybe in the, in the next game, uh, you can get him to voice a character, maybe. I'll try or, my best, that's for sure. Or, or maybe help with the developer or something. I mean, that would be the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, totally. But, but, um, but yeah, now you mentioned you were working on another game, correct? Is there anything you can... T- I mean, I know you just released this game just a few <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. So and I know you're still working on the game, you know, as we yeah. mentioned. But like, is there anything at all that you can tell us about what your next well, game may be? Well, it's... There's kind of two games that um, I'm kind of beginning to put together. One is uh, not a point-and-click game, um, and is more of a um, you know 2D run-and-gunner adventure, but with action. You know, like Inside meets uh, Celeste meets I don't know Castlevania something. Um, and I'm getting a team together to work on that. And but I've also had a really good idea for a point-and-click adventure that I really like um, the idea of. And I'm going to work with an artist on that. And, you know, like I said at the very beginning, I've learned so much that I can't wait to almost hang out a fantastic or you know, even better point-and-click adventure with all the new skills I've learned. So that it's doesn't take three and a half years to come out, <laughs> you know, that might even just be a year um, and, you know, it has a totally different style and story. But I can't really reveal it at this point in case I was to can it and just do the, the other game. 
but I want to do both. So we just have to see how time permits. But yes, I've got two, you know, like a really story. And in fact, for the new point and click game, my artist is drawing the lead character. So I'm kind of like excited about it. <laughs> okay, well, look, I look forward to hearing more about it. And do you plan maybe or would you like to at some point make a sequel to Woolly Mountain? Well, funnily enough, yeah, I ask that a lot. And I think I would, but um, I mean, of course I would. But I, I, I want to, it'd be great to be, you know, begged by 10,000 people first. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. Well, well, hopefully people can get in touch or write on the review or uh, reviews or, you know, say if they would like a sequel and yeah. uh, <laughs> or, you know, more games, you know, like to sort of, first of all, port it maybe to other devices, yeah. as we mentioned, yeah, and then exactly. maybe a sequel. And and then, so you mentioned that there is voice acting in the game as well, correct? Yeah, voice acting. So my brother and I do the majority of the of the voices, um, and um, you know some other people who are friends of ours, actors and such, uh, you know, do different voices in the game too. So yeah, it's fully voice acted. Um, in fact, that was quite a, a task in itself. I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah, from what I've heard, it seems that voice acting or putting voice acting in games is almost like a whole new adventure. <laughs> yes, that's very true. And uh, did you design the music for the game as well? Yeah, so um, my brother and um, another member of the Helmholtz resonated all the music for the game. Okay. Uh, well, I, I think we are coming up to the to the end of... Uh, the interview then unfortunately I could speak for hours about this but I know we have to I have to let you go um, so we're again so this game can be bought on Nintendo Switch and Steam correct? That's correct yeah yeah and hopefully in other devices uh, is, is there anywhere else that are you looking to maybe put the game in other places like itch.io or somewhere or? I'm gonna um, hopefully get it on Humble I think next. oh well yeah yeah, um, and then yeah, we'll see from there, I guess. Okay. It's, it's quite it's quite a juggling uh, world that I live in, trying to get everything, uh, you know, correct and on different platforms. As it you know, kind of does come just down to me. So if it, you know, everyone have patience, and it will <laughs> it will get on to all the different things as much as possible. Um, and, you know, that's kind of why, as I say, on these next projects, looking to add members to the team, um, to, you know, just to make things even better. Right. So you can uh, uh, help with the workload. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about it, it's if you're making something and you're doing almost everything, in one minute you're working on the story and then you think, oh, I just want to tweak these graphics. Then you work on the graphics and that bit of the story has to wait for a sec. And then, you know, you think, oh, what about the social media? I need to go and do some more social media. And then you come back and, you know, what I mean, it's sometimes you can it would be more beneficial just to go, right. I'm I'm kind of the creative director. I'm going to put it all together, tell the artist, you know, this is what we need. This is the vibe for character one or scene two. And they can just focus 100% on that and so on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
No, that sounds well. Hopefully, it sounds like you're getting a good team together. So, yeah. Um, uh, where where can people find find you online and find out more about this game then? Yeah. So, um, I have obviously there's a newsletter sign up which is on uh, woollymountain.com. Uh, we have a Discord. Um, so you know, join up with that again. You, if you go to woollymountain.com, all the links for media, um, the Discord, everything's on there where you can engage in conversations with me and help me almost, uh, you know, help make decisions on the forthcoming games. So that's Woolly Mountain. That's two O's, two L's. Okay. So you have Discord and you you also have Facebook and Twitter as well, correct? And Instagram. The whole social media works. Cool. And people can play a demo as well to try it out. Yeah. If they go on Steam, there's a demo there. And um, hopefully by the end of May... There will be a demo on Switch as well. Cool. Okay. Well, um, thank you very much, then, James. Uh, be, so then, to finish off, is there anything that you would like to say to the people who bought to to buy the game, to players or publishers or whoever you want? Uh, I'd like to say to everyone out there, if you bought it already, I hope you're enjoying it, and um, you know the different patches that um, are coming up. You know, little minor tweaks and lovely additions and so on. If you haven't bought it yet, this is a three and a half year passion project of which I put my blood, sweat and tears into. And it won't break the bank. It's a very affordable and enjoyable game. Um, so, you know, please purchase it. Get in touch. I'm a very um, accessible game dev who you know, loves to hear what you think of the game and, uh, you know, happy to talk about it, too. Yeah, no, that sounds great. No, you are definitely very accessible. And again, we can see, I think, from this interview and at least from the demo, at least that I've played, that it is you put everything into this game with all the extras and everything. Uh, so, uh, well, I'd just like to wish you the very best of luck. Hope, uh, hopefully, I'm I'm sure, you know, the game will do well. Hopefully, you can port it and best of luck with your yeah. future endeavors. Well, thank you very much and cheers for uh, for the interview. No worries. Thank you very much. We'll speak again soon. Thank you. So that was my interview with James Lightfoot of The Mystery of Woolly Mountain. And now I just want to read a few comments and reviews from players of the game on Steam. So one person said about the game, great stuff, literally genius from the start. If you like point-and-click adventures... This is one of the best. Another said, what a game. Nice point and click with good puzzles and nice dialogues. And finally, another said, a very charming adventure game with some quirky characters and interesting puzzles. The music is great and the world really draws you in. Recommended. Uh, So that game again is The Mystery of Woolly Mountain. It's out now on PC and on Nintendo Switch. So... If you want a sequel or if you want this game released on tablets or or mobiles, then by all means, let James know. And also feel free to review the game on Steam if you played it and enjoyed it. Every review helps as well. And so my next interview is with Goloso Games, who has just released his first game, Antenna Dilemma. Now, I really enjoyed it, as I said before. So I got a chance to speak to him about the game. 
So please enjoy. Today I am joined by Jan of Golosso Games, and we're going to talk about his games today. So, hello Jan, how are you? Uh, I'm fine, and you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. It's a real pleasure to speak to you. To you? So, I'm looking forward to speaking about your games. I've spoken about one of your games, at least, and Tana Dilemma a few times, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about that and going behind the scenes on that game. But before we get to talk about your games, I was wondering if you could give a brief introduction about yourself and say what are your favorite adventure games? Yeah, sure. So, started to make games around four years ago. I do mainly uh, point-and-click games. I'm working on two games right now, like you said, uh, Antenna Dilemma and Inspector Warford. And uh, in my daytime, I'm a dev for a, for a small company, and uh, it's nothing related to video games. So I'm making my games during evenings and uh, weekends. And I'm French, as you probably hear. <laughs> so about my favorite adventure games, I really love uh, Broken Sword 1. It's when I was younger, it was definitely my favorite game ever. And uh, I, I enjoyed playing a lot of the, a lot of it, sorry. And uh, I know, I think I know all of this in my heart, not every dialogues, but mostly everything. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's very, very, very great game. It's maybe because I'm in my 30s, so I also enjoy uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Uh, it's boss, boss, maybe it's because of nostalgia of this period of my life, but, but I, I love these two games. And, uh, and uh, a bit more recent, I like Machinarium and everything made by um, Amanita Design. Um, Really enjoyed some of three too, just heard recently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this is my, I would say my favorite game, Machinarium, Indiana really? yeah, yeah, and the Fate of Atlantis and Broken Soul One. Yes, no, very, very good choices. As I'm <laughs> sure you listen to this podcast, no, Broken Sword One was my first adventure game as i've mentioned i think on every episode so far and it's still one of my favorites as well and and but but i love the beginning of the game you know when uh uh, you know when you hear the music and you know george stobart are talking uh paris in the fall and the bird's eye view of paris and then he's at the cafe and then the bomb explodes Mm. and or when he sees a clown and then the bomb explodes and then the adventure begins and and then the story just develops from there. And in the energy of the Fate of Atlantis, I've also played that several times. Uh, have you played the three paths, the, the action and the puzzle and the teamwork paths on the on the game? I think so, yes. It's a long it's time also... I didn't play it, but I think so. <laughs> and, and yeah. about, uh, sorry, just you say yeah, something interesting about the beginning of uh, Broken Soul 1. So it's established Paris and the bomb yes. explodes. And I don't know if you notice it, but in Antenna Dilemma, 
I was inspired by this beginning because you is watching TV and boom, it's not a bomb, but it's kind of the same yes. concept of the okay. of the introduction of uh, um, because I I really like in this game it's uh, in a book and sword one it's uh, uh, it start very uh, fast you are into the game immediately you want to understand why someone tried to to kill you not directly but someone who tried to to kill you why what's what's happening so i really like the beginning of this game because you are in the action right now it's what they try to do with the glass broken sword too with the murder inside the the art uh, gallery and uh, it's something i think it's it's one of the best way to start an adventure game in my opinion yes absolutely because uh it starts literally with a bang, and, yes. and then and then we're trying to find out, you know, what what happened, and then the story gets bigger and bigger. Exactly, and yes. and uh, no, I I absolutely loved it, but I haven't played uh, Ma- uh, Machinarium or Sombras. I really need to play those games. I've heard great things about them, and also, you know, Broken Sword One is set in in Paris, so you probably know it better than I do. So yeah, I lived in Paris for for a couple of years, so. But uh, I'm not from Paris, so when I was young and I played this game, it really didn't matter because, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not from Paris, and uh, maybe I went one or two times in Paris. But uh, to have to have a French yeah, it's definitely something we like, and I say we because uh, a lot of French people will will say, "Oh, I like Broken Sword One." I don't know why. We you will find. A lot of French uh, gamers will say that's one of my favorite adventure games. Oh, okay. Yes, I think it matters. Okay, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, well, also we have Nico Collard, who is the other protagonist, Mm -hmm. uh, who is uh, many people's, you know, one of their favorites as well, you know, really, really good character as well. Funny things about this, uh, when I was young, I I played it in French, of course, because, Uh uh, yeah. Because the game was in French and uh, and was very young, so I, I don't know how to speak English. And when I played it later uh, in English, Nico Cola has a French accent. It wasn't mine. It's, <laughs> it's they exaggerated like like a lot, a lot. It was it's terrible oh, okay. for, for French folk to play this game in English because it's oh my god, how she's talking. Really not because I. It's it's an exaggerated so in the English version it's an exaggerated French accent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she, she she speaks like without any um, any improvement like 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 a French will say will speak without uh, thinking to do some effort to be understandable. Of course. So, yeah. Oh, okay. The a lot a lot of particular Hollywood films have similar. Issues with the Irish accent. They they always think that Irish people have one accent, and it's very very strong. Now in Ireland we have many different types of accents, like in most places. But in Hollywood it's just what I call the leprechaun accent. That is just one particular accent. So then you you mentioned that you started making games about four years ago. Yes. So. Uh, so, so when did you realize that you wanted to make point-and-click adventure games? Was it when you first started playing Broken Sword? Did you want to make games then, or was it later that you wanted mm-hmm. to make point-and-click adventure games of your own? It's a good question. I 
I study uh, programming. I study a lot of uh, a lot of things about uh, about computers or what or whatever because I loved video games and I I, I was young. When I was young, I loved to build my own computer and that, that stuff like geeks like. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's why natural for me to become um, a programmer. And but um, the weird thing is, I didn't need to make game when I was young. I really enjoyed to 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 play them, but not to make them because I, I thought st stupidly that I was not capable to do it, or I don't know, or I didn't think about it. It didn't came. Uh, in my mind uh, when, I, when I was young. And uh, when I was older, when I finished my, um, my study, my studies, I started to, to work for a big company who made uh, serious games. And I was uh, wanted to, to make uh, video games, but each time I did, uh, I did an interview, I was close to be, to be higher, but uh, each time uh, they say to me, like, uh, uh, do you think you will be able to work during nights or like two or three times a week or like that? And uh, I saw uh, I, I'm young, I want to enjoy the life and I want to spend my life making a game. I, I don't, I didn't imagine. So I didn't do it. And I started doing serious game that was very cool to, to work for that. And after this first uh, experience, I, I was close again to work for, for video games company, mostly serious games too. And, uh, and we didn't work. So I started to do just uh, regular programming for, for, for companies, for small and big big companies, and um, and uh, after a while, I would say like five years ago, six years ago, I saw the the work I was doing was pointless, pointless. Sorry, so um, I went. I mean, um, I was doing some dev, but. I didn't put some heart in it. It was for big company. It was was not very. It was interesting in the tech in the tech way, but it's not. It was not um, uh, not very something I really want to get up the mon the mornings and say I'm I'm really happy to do that this kind of job. So I have some some change in my mind um, during this time and like five years ago, four or five years ago, I started to make game development from nothing. I, I, need, uh, I knew nothing about it. Just the only asset I, I had was to know how to make problems. Right, yeah. Okay, that's impressive. So from you started from scratch from nothing to start making video games then from... Just programming, that's the only thing I knew. <laughs> yeah, no, wow, that's, that is really impressive. Not, I'm, not an, I'm not an artist at all, I never took an art, art lesson or whatever. I learned it uh, by myself. Wow, the, well, your uh, games look, look beautiful. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's probably the, the only thing I, I said I, I, I improved 
since I started to make games because my first pixel art was, were terrible. And now I say, I think it's okay, but when I see some people on Twitter, I say, okay, I still need to improve. I'm far from that. So, so yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's something I'm happy to share right now. I say, okay, it's good enough to, to make games like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, for pro programming, I'm just using what I studied, what I learned from, from, um, companies and, uh, also, uh, the, how to handle the project too. It's something I learned from my my job experiences, and it's something very useful when I when I start to to make games because I know how to handle the project because I manage that in uh, I am still and I'm still doing it in my current job. So yeah, so this. All these experiences was were not useless, I would say. It's, I'm not um, ashamed of that, and I feel it's very useful right now when I'm no, do, doing my game. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's, I think it's particularly impressive because genuinely, the, when I've played uh, the at least version of uh, Antenna Dilemma, and it looks beautiful, and I've seen the screenshots of Inspector Waffles, and I, I really love the art. It's very clear. It's very, it it looks really really nice. And you know we can talk about that uh, later. No, ge genuinely. So it's uh, it's even more impressive when you said you learned from scratch. So you know you can, you just can serve as an inspiration for people who uh, you know so you can learn from scratch from the beginning uh, how to do art for the games and make really nice looking games in just a couple of years. So. Yeah, thanks. And uh, yeah, so I would like to go faster, but um, um, I'm not a, an indie, full indie. Uh, exactly, you were working full time as well, so. Yes, that's a problem. Yeah, it's, yeah, but that's... that's not a big problem because I like my my job right now. I have to say, I I manage a couple of people. I'm doing C sharp, and uh, that that's really cool job to be honest. And I have. Uh, <laughs> pay every month uh, um, so yeah it helped to to make my game too so it's a good combination i would say right cool okay now that's every, everything helps yes. and um so you started making games started the company then a couple of years ago so i think it was 2015 correct uh, yeah, yeah, something like around, that. Yeah, yeah, around yeah. there. Yeah, and I just want before we start talking with your games, I just wanted to to ask you what, what where uh, where did the name Goloso Games come from? Okay, it's uh, <laughs> I think it's interesting, but okay. uh, let's see. Um, so when I started to make my game, uh, it was so in 2015, and um, I. Uh, I was in my previous job, and um, at this time of my life, I really wanted to have um, a job experience uh, abroad. And um, at this time, my company had, um, had a new project, and uh, this project was with a team of um, Italian people. And uh, so I said I want to go there and I want to 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 have this experience and I'm sure I can uh, I can uh, manage these people or I don't know work with them I don't know what what you want whatever whatever you want but I want to to go there 
<laughs> so I went there. And uh, I started to make games, I don't know, like two or three months before that, just uh, from scratch. I did uh, nothing. And at this time, no prototype, just just learning. And um, when I arrived there, it was in Naples, uh, in Italy, and um, I, I knew the city. For the, I went there for vacation, so I was not in, but not going somewhere I know nothing about. I didn't know how to speak Italian, for example. So I, I went there. I stayed. At the beginning, it was uh, I should have stayed um, two or three months. No, less than that. One or two months, something like that. And I really enjoyed this experience, so I said I want to stay more. And I stay almost one year and a half. So I can say I really started to make games there uh, because I still worked for the company. And the, the night and weekends, I started to to make games. Not even Inspector Warfare or Antenna Dilemma, just some games. And um, I, I really love the city and. Um, um, I really, really love this experience uh, for the city. And I don't have to say that it's one of the cities you really like to live here. And um, um, so I wanted to name my company, my games company, uh, uh, like uh, something from uh, Naples. And uh, Naples is known in Italy uh, from the city of the pizza. And it's definitely like that. So, like my logo is what you see. It's a, it's a pizza. It's a real Neapolitan pizza with mozzarella, uh, tomatoes, uh, basilic. You say in English basil. Basil, uh, ba- basil, basil, yes. Yeah, basil. So this is a margarita, a very classical one. So uh, yeah. And um, so logo checked. Now I needed uh, I needed a name and um, in uh, that you like eating a lot, but not to get uh, fat, but because you really enjoy the food. It's like gluttony, but without the fat. I don't have to say to explain, but it's uh, yes, yes. It's uh, you, you, yeah, you enjoy the food, yeah. And uh, this was my life as when I was in Naples. I ate so much things. Life is in the food there is incredibly delicious. It's fantastic. So, so I thought it would be interesting to to say that because to to use this name Goloso, it means that like that in Italian, so Italian word to say to say you like to eat. And uh, so that's why my life there uh, started making games. So I say I said this this is a good name for the company. So that's how Golosso Games started. Okay, yeah, it's certainly a memorable name, anyway. Yeah. And as you you mentioned, your avatar, at least on you know Twitter and social media, is it pizza? It's a good to put yeah. it. But it's pizza, and it, it always makes me hungry when I see it. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that it's uh, something uh, I like to explain, and there is a sense between be behind that. And uh, it's. I think it's interesting to to have a logo or name that means something to you. Just be, not because it's fun to have a pizza and 
that's what I, I saw when I started that. Uh, so you, you started making it in Napoli. I've always wanted to visit there. I've been to Italy, to, to Milan, but um, you know never to Napoli. But I have friends from there, so maybe sometime you know soon. I'd love to go to Rome as well. So. Yeah, it's a um, good visit. Basel, yes. Rome, Rome too. Okay. Um, well, thanks for that. So, Okay, so your company was started, Goloso Games, as you mentioned. And so then you... Uh, you're currently making two games then, an Antenna Dilemma and Inspector Waffle. So we can start with Antenna Dilemma. Um, so now, now again, I, I'm, I'm mindful of spoilers because I, I as, as I mentioned before on the podcast, I really enjoyed it. And actually, I was surprised by it, by some of the plot uh, development. So uh, I'll, I'll let you des- describe it. So for people who haven't heard about it what what is more or less the plot of the game or at least beginning of the game so um, I'm, I'm trying to be careful with I know yes it's very difficult <laughs> so uh, we follow a cubic guy named C432632 <laughs> yeah it's a very common name and um you like to watch this this uh, this cube like to to watch TV and never missed one episode of his favorite TV show. But this time something happened and uh, the TV doesn't work anymore. So game stuff like that and you don't understand what you should do except fixing your TV. So um, it's the beginning of a of a more complicated uh, story. I, we, I won't tell anything more. But uh, it started with someone who is clearly a TV addict, and uh, this addiction will will help him to make I don't know anything to 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 get uh, finally to get his TV back. So uh, everything is cube is uh, cubic in his world, and uh, it's um, so he, he says a lot of buildings, boxes, uh, jokes about boxes, and and so on. And I won't tell anymore. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I mean, agree because there 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 is a moment which I won't say when, but the game just changes and the perspective and everything, and it really surprised me. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, really interesting. This is. So you mentioned that it's, it's about a, you know, Cube who watches TV a lot. Um, uh, is, is this a, a social commentary on, on the world that we live in today? Or is that just a coincidence as well? Or is, that, uh, is it just a story with the Cube? Or is it a social commentary? Or I would say Inspector Waffle, it's uh, just a story about... Uh... Uh, which is detective in a, in a strange, in a very, uh, in a world full of, pe- of stupid people. But so there is no uh, background of the story. But this one, I wanted to, to add something different. And uh, mm-hmm. um, clearly, um, you can think with the, with the pixel art, it's something very nice, you know, happy world and whatever. And uh, this is clearly what I try, I try to do. It's um, give the feeling to uh, give the feeling to the um, to the player that everything is fine. And actually, it's 
everything is terrible and uh, and um, again not trying to 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 say anything so it's pretty hard um, <laughs> but yeah there is um, uh, okay I will just say something so I live in in, in a di- dictatorship kind of mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't see it and this is something I really I really wanted to show and um, but uh, I'm not it's not a message about TV because uh, it's where yeah, he's watching terrible shows and uh, but it's not something I, I wanted to do it's I just wanted to do a dystopian world and uh, it started with TV but the, the message is different from uh, you should not you shouldn't watch TV. It's more that it's uh, you should think about what the world is becoming around uh, yourself. Before I started playing the like the beta version, I was expecting something different. I was expecting this to be uh, you know a very wacky surreal comedy, maybe mm-hmm. like the old LucasArts games. But yeah. then what I got was something, as you mentioned, it was very different. Well, there is humor in it, and as you mentioned, box puns. Mm. Um, it's it's a serious story, and pretty much immediately when I started playing the game, because I thought that there was going to be you no know, jokes that, oh, look, I'm a cube, I'm a box. Mm. And well, there are jokes like that. Pretty much immediately, I forgot that the character was a box. I thought, okay, this is a character who's a box, living in this box world. Okay, I'm with it. And then once I got involved in the story... Uh, I was really genuinely curious and interested. And then uh, all the way through the game, and then when the game finished, I wanted to find out more. So uh, so, so was was the game from the beginning, was it supposed to be serious or was it humorous beginning and became serious? Or was it the story you wanted to tell from the beginning? Mm. No, no, I wanted to make it serious. Uh, uh, okay. Business. Yeah. It's, uh, okay. it's a game I made during a game jam, Adventure Jam. And uh, last year, uh, and um, I really wanted to talk. So first, so it's cubes because it was a jam, and uh, it's a choice I made really early because uh, it was a jam. So I didn't want to spend uh, days to make very beautiful uh, designed characters or whatever. It's it was a choice to make the game uh, simpler. To make it uh, done faster, so that's why we started with uh, with cube. And, really? uh, yes, and the black, black and white black and white uh, stuff. It's uh, because we didn't talk about it, but the game it's in black and white at first. I was inspired by uh, a movie named Pleasantville. I don't know if you heard about it. It's a movie oh, with Toby Maguire. It's a good movie. It's not the okay. best movie. Ever. Of, of the world, but it's a good movie, and uh, it's about uh, someone to be Maguire who really enjoyed to watch a black and white TV show, uh, old one. And someone one day gave him a magical TV remote, and uh, and uh, he is going to live inside the, the TV show, and. Um, Something will happen, and I would say that um, Antena Dilemma and this movie, Plenville, um have a very interesting um, 
link with uh, the color and uh, won't tell you more about anti-navigation mind color, but this is something I was inspired to make color uh, a feature, uh, something uh, who, which is very important to the story. And okay, yeah. That's why one of my inspiration too. And uh, it's uh, is not a dystopian movie, it's more of a comedy one. And it, also there is a message inside this movie, but really it's not the same. Okay, yeah. And then so the, the question that I wanted to ask then is because um, the characters, they're all cubes and, you know, this box world. <laughs> Uh, what, why did you decide to make the characters cubes instead of real human beings? Was there a particular reason or is it something yeah, you wanted yeah, to I do? I wanted to make cube jokes actually because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh jokes. Yeah, because, um, I, it's not a big spoiler, but everything in the world in, uh, is, uh, is cubic. Like this, like the items you find and everything is cubic and, uh, and that was an interesting thing to to start with, to say, okay, this world, it's only about cubes. So everything is about cubes. So you should make object, everything, and it should be cubes. So that's why you watch TV. That's all, because TV okay. is a big cube. The other, the other one, uh, of course, uh, the, the old one, but uh, yes. So that's how it started. And... Um, I didn't want to, to make character because it was, it's very easy to draw cubes, believe me, even if you don't do a, a pixel artist, it's, uh, it's very, very easy. So I didn't lose, lose any time on this. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah, because it's, as you mentioned, it's cubes are, you know, very easy to draw and, but um, but it still looks it still looks beautiful, you know, the art and especially the black and white art and and as as I mentioned, even though I do no facial expressions on the cube, I then still felt for the character and I and I was rooting for him and I wanted to help or him or her. Do you know have a gender like do you, uh, don't know if it's explained in the game are they like male or female characters or? Yeah, they are because for example in the. Uh, in the main character, I'm not going to say C for three two. It's always a hero as a as a picture inside his house. So it's his mother and father, if I remember well. So yeah, there is. Oh, okay. But he's uh, single, I guess. So it's not. I didn't okay. think about it. So maybe I will, maybe we find uh, someone in the next uh, episode. Oh, well, we'll see. That would be very yeah, interesting yeah, to see. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a love romance game, actually. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> ah, well, hopefully. Um, so, so then, there, I, I enjoyed some of the puzzles in the game. At that, uh, well, what, what can you tell us? You know, What type of puzzles are in the game? Again, without giving you know, spoilers maybe later on, but early on, what type of puzzles do we, do we see in the game? I think on this one, there's uh, uh, a couple different puzzles. It's uh, you have to use items, of course, uh, as uh, on decors. You have to be careful of what is written because some of the stuff 
the written uh, text are very useful for to to solve some puzzle. Something I liked, I try, I tried to do. Okay, I, we didn't talk about that, but I wanted to make a game in a dictatorship, but I wanted to make him a tedious dictatorship, full of bureaucracy and very boring stuff like when you receive your taxes and you have to pay your taxes and whatever it's every time we like that so mm -hmm. i wanted to, to focus a bit on this and make this world like if you have to pay taxes every day of your life and uh, fill document and whatsoever and uh, so our hero is a bit uh, bureaucratic and so there are puzzles too about that, because sometimes it doesn't want to do things because the law is against it. So you have to think outside the box. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I have to to say it <laughs> sometimes and uh, use your magical sticky notes and leave uh, excuse messages. Uh, with the right low. Yes, yes. I, I, I remember. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I, re I really enjoyed enjoy that part when, uh, you know, as he's mentioned, he he had to, he didn't want to do something, but he did. So he would say, "Oh, but it is within my rights to do this." So uh, please excuse the inconvenience or something. <laughs> and I thought, okay, at least he's polite about it. <laughs> I always wanted when I before started this game, I always wanted to 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 make a game where someone user uh, can regards and this sentence you send, uh, you write uh, at the end of a mail of something very serious. And I really wanted to do that because I'm always as. Uh, uh, I don't know, tired to write to everyone, can ring us, even if you don't care at all. And it's something really stupid of our society. So, yeah, so that was one of the ideas I got before starting the game. And I really wanted to do that. Because it's really, we could say it's a, it's a message I wanted to share. It's useless, like, can ring us. And we have the same in French, of course. And I, yeah, I I hate it, and it's feel it's feel uh, without any passion. Passion. It's just the thing you need to write. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I think it works well in in the game. It it certainly made made me laugh as well. It made sense for the character as well. It seemed like something the character would do. That you know, he really wanted to. You know, he had the main objective to you know to watch the TV show, but he had to yes. do these other things to. To, to do it, but he mightn't have wanted to, to do those things, but he said, no, I'm within my rights to, to do this. <laughs> so, yes. uh, so it was really, I find it really consistent with the character, and it's very funny as well. And, um, because he's a TV uh, addict, and the one yes. thing which matters is watching his show, and whatever the cost, it's, that's, that's his thing. Exactly, yes. And uh, now, like in particular beginning, there were some uh, very nice puns in the game in the when he's watching the TV the different types of shows he was watching and um, so what was it difficult to try to make the game the story serious but then include the humor in it as well uh, was that difficult to do or or did it come easily 
Oh, I like to make uh, bad jokes. I'm like, I do some really daddy jokes, right? I'm not a daddy, but uh, I think it's uh, it's something. Me, me too. Like I, I like to make dad jokes as well. So. And uh, yeah, so some people think it's terrible, but I really don't care because it's my game. So I <laughs> I will put some joke like that in my game. And uh, yeah, I, I I I love them as well. So. <laughs> The other thing for me, it's it's, we don't say the same uh, idioms in France. And uh, for example, we don't say, I will take Inspector Wall for example, we don't say it's winning cats and dogs. We don't say that. So it will be a very good problem for for people who translate the game. So so first, and second, it's... uh, I need to, to find on the internet uh, some idioms, some puns, some whatever, because it's not obvious for me. And uh, this is this is something difficult, really. And uh, I, that's why I take a lot of time to write my games, because uh, uh, really I, I want to check if I don't forget anything about like, this kind of jokes, actually. For example. So, h- how long uh, did people play? How long did the game last in general for people then? Mm, I would say, hmm, or, in average, one hour. Mm-hmm. Because um, most of the people you go from start to the end, it's uh, mainly 40 minutes. And. Um, but uh, if you get stuck somewhere, or if you want time, take time to to find everything, it's more than one hour. So I would say one hour. And there is there are sorry, there are a couple of secrets, like oh okay, entertaining, uh, some secret calls you can do, uh, some achievement, uh, nothing, uh, nothing. Uh, Stupid to have like a click 50 times on this. Uh, it's uh, on this uh, turtle, for example. It's uh, it's uh, story related. So yeah. So I think, for example, an alternative ending. So so if you want to find everything, it's more than one hour. If you just want to play just just the main story, it's 40 minutes. Okay, I look forward to playing it again to see if I can get all the achievements then. <laughs> Mm. Uh, uh, okay. And uh, yeah, it took it took me about uh, one hour when I played the better version. And um, but also, you know, talk about the puzzles. You know, I I liked how you know the puzzles seemed clever as well. I'm not gonna don't I won't give anything away. But there were a couple of times where I thought that oh I I know how to resolve this, and then you go to do it, but then oh it's not this way. You have to think of a different way. That's mm. like the game is reading your mind that. You think, you know, you have to give this character this object. You go, oh, but you actually can't reach this object for whatever reason. So you need another way, actually, to to resolve the puzzle. And it, it really made me think. So, um, But they, they seem logical as well. Like, it's even though it's, I was stuck. Like, and then whenever I, I resolve the puzzles, I thought, oh, that, that makes sense. That's kind of makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's something I really tried to do. And, uh, yes. And I... For example, uh, 
I love Day of the Tentacle. It's really one yes, favorite, yes. <laughs> favorite game. But some of the puzzles are, I don't know, it's impossible to find. <laughs> Very you difficult, yes. You need to wash the car to make it rain. And this one, <laughs> because it's funny, because when you wash your car, it starts to rain, so it's useless. And yeah, I got it. It's very funny. But it's not logical at, at, at all. It's No. Yeah. So this is something I'm trying to avoid. And uh, it doesn't mean the this uh, Day of Time Tackle puzzle is bad. It's... Um, it's it's only focused on the joke and uh, not on the logic. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to make some, everything logical. And some people told me, okay, I like uh, Antenna Dilemma because the puzzles are not obvious, but not uh, impossible to find. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Now for me, because as, as I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, you might think, oh, I know how to resolve this, but then it you can't do it that way and then you have to think oh no how do i do this oh it's this way and it it makes sense so and then i'm just reading on the steam page and i just could ask it when it says it's available on pc just not yet on gamecube is that, is, is that a joke is that a pun for the for yeah, the game <laughs> i'm not talking joke to uh, i didn't write it because it was too much but not xbox neither <laughs> yeah, I, I just got that now. <laughs> and um, so you mentioned that this game is the first episode, right? So are you planning on making future episodes? Yeah, yes. It's um, well, the story is it's uh, the end of the story. It's a, it's a cliffhanger. It's a big cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I won't tell anything. But so you expect to see more. So yeah, the idea is to make a sequel. We would like to do it, really, and uh, we expect like player would like to see the the sequel. And the idea is to have one or two uh, DLC for the game, like one or two um, uh, episode, not too much, but because it's clear to we see we know what will happen. Yes, I know what will happen. The story is. The main story is clear in my mind. I don't have every puzzle. I don't have every scene, but I know what will happen. And um, yeah, the idea is to to make a sequel. And uh, it's not ready at all. I need to write it, and uh, it will take me a couple of months. And I have uh, Inspector Waffle to finish. So don't expect it really soon. But uh, expect you. It's, Mac and Linux version and uh, French vers- version will will uh, will happen uh, soon, but the sequel not really. I hope so, but I can't give a date right now. Okay, okay. Well, I look forward to uh, to playing the sequel because it, as you mentioned, it does end on a cliffhanger. And and also what I, what I liked is I won't spoil it, but there is a backstory as well that there's. That this is a living world, which I really liked as well. That's um, was was really cleverly uh, put in the game as well. So and the game jam top like four or five scenes before. So I added all the cinematics at the end and other scene inside the, the game too, and uh, it gives a lot of 
uh, insight about what is happening. And yeah. the game jam version, version uh, left gamers say, okay, I don't understand what's happening. And now you can understand what's happening. That's a big mm-hmm. difference. You know how many episodes, more or less, you, you would like to make? It's not true. We really want to do it, but it will also depend on if player uh, find a game like it. Uh, it's hard to 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 reach press media. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of lucky to have a lot of streamers who play the game, uh, who enjoy the game, and uh, I have people who are waiting to play it, but. It's not going to be a big hit, and press media uh, are not very aware about the game, so I tried to reach them, but uh, I have no idea what will happen during this day. I hope so, because it's in 10 days, I hope so I will have more press articles, but uh, right now, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I will have like a... Says I'm a player because it's a free game. We didn't mention it, but this. So it's free, yeah. So maybe because it's free, people will find it on Steam and we play it, and and yeah, so we'll, maybe when it's released, then there'll be more traction, more attention to the game. Exactly, and I have no idea right now. Uh, so it will depend on all of that. So I get a lot of like a lot of feedback. I would say like. 20, 30 people, if I count uh, streamers and beta testers and friends. So I know uh, if the game is good or not for what I wanted to do. Uh, but I have no idea if a lot of people will play it or not. Really, it's... Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. And uh, it will depend on that if we do a sequel too. So that was my interview with Jan from Goloso Games. I hope you enjoyed it, and I really hope that you check out Antenna Dilemma. It is free to play. It is available on Steam, and I really, really enjoyed it. As I mentioned, I love the story, I love the characters, I love the puzzles, and also its visuals, and I can't believe that this is his first game. And I really hope that we do get some sequels to the game that he is able to tell a full complete story now this was the first part of our interview he's also releasing his second game inspector waffles later this year and when that game is released i will release the second part of our interview and we will find out more about that as well so i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you enjoyed the two interviews And next week, I'll be joined again by Tomas when we'll be reviewing some adventure games. So until then, take care. Have a good week, everyone. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord. 
at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it. And you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com. So until next time, thank you.